Okay, hello. Yes. Sorry. So how does this work, the shared custody of a dog? <laughs> like, kids, I get. Well, it works very well, actually. Um, we don't have a set agreement. It's really, if you met the dog, you'd understand. Probably it's, not. But... <laughs> it's whoever's going to be home. So whoever's going to be, he lives five minutes from me. So it's basically because he works a lot of crazy hours and then I work a lot of crazy hours. So whoever can pay more attention to Ringo gets to have him until they're busy and then they drop him off to the other one. And um, that's it. There's no. So how often do you see him on average? Ringo? Yes. I have him probably at least a couple days a week. But then like I just had him for two weeks and then Dave just had him for a couple days and then he brought him back. And then now he might have him again for a week. And then I might have him for a couple of days. And then I'm like the, I don't know, I'm like the deadbeat parent, though. Because Dave takes him to the groomer. Dave takes him to the vet. Dave takes him to the vet uh, every he, time he gets he a sniffle. Him? Oh, yeah. I mean, I spoil mm. him with affection and, you know, clothes and anything he wants. From sure, <laughs> from that makes toys. sense. But, yes, Dave takes care of him. Dave has a fit bark on him. The only, like, discord we ever have is... Um, the dog has a fit bark, like which is a Fitbit for your dog. And um, seriously, uh -huh. I did not. I've never heard of this. <laughs> I did not buy this for my dog. Dave bought this for the dog, and it only tracks to his phone, so it, it syncs with an app just like a regular Fitbit. Right. And so you know, I'll have the dog, and then Dave will get him back, and he'll be like, "Well, Ringo's steps were really down the past few days." Um, how many times did you walk him and how far did you walk him? You really need to get him off the couch. Now, in our own worlds, I, you know, box, you know, a lot. As we, as we know. Yes. Dave doesn't work out ever, but the dog, <laughs> the dog steps are uh, inferior at my house. So I get, you know, blamed for the uh, lack of physical activity in my part of the world. Right. If I may, what does it matter how many steps the dog gets? Um, well, it, I mean, weight, I get <laughs> yeah, overall it, health, yeah, mental health. Is that part of it too? No. Can his, you tell if he's depressed? No, his mental health is like beyond fine. Okay. His, but, um, no, but, but then there is the whole, just like with the real Fitbit, they have dogs from all over the world that participate and you get updates that say Ringo was more active than only 5% of other Shih Tzus this week. Mocha <laughs> kicked Ringo's butt. They it's, name them? Well, they, they call yeah, out the other dog? Oh, yeah. They have pictures in their names and yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's, What's it called? A bark fit? Fit bark. Fit bark. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just going to do a quick... Uh, whew, 70 bucks. Oh, yeah. They're not cheap. Oh, it's water resistant. So that's nice. Yeah. Because he's um, such a swimmer. My dog that was bred to be a footstool. So how many steps should he be taking a day? I think he's supposed to take 8,000. But then I but then that's the other question I have is a step for mm. a dog four feet movements or is it one foot movement? Mm. Right? Hmm. Right. That's a good question because if it was 8,000 so really he should have to take 2,000 steps in a walk and that would cover your eight. Mm. Right? 
or it is one as as a human two legs so then it'd be four thousand right 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 it's too much math i don't i don't know how do we how do we figure this out i don't know it seems way too complicated um, here is FAQ. It enabled? i don't know dog parents have questions and the bit fit bark app has answers but it doesn't um no but just i there's an affiliate you marketing program oh so we could do you think they'd be interested in advertising i don't know we should talk more about the fit bark yeah. i, I oh, should actually base ch- change my uh approach on what i have to say about the fit bark the Fit Bark really has revolutionized my relationship with Ringo <laughs> because now we can be active together and I make sure that he gets enough steps. And, you know, I like to go box and go to the gym, but that means he's home and neglected. So I really have to step up my game and make sure I take him for a walk so his friends in other parts of the world don't school him in their steps. This is why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. We're going to kind of jump around a little bit. Uh-huh. And uh, you're trying to get the. Oh, I the see. That's Oh, gotcha. And there's the. What is it? Is that the F? I don't know. <laughs> it's rush hour. Yeah. Sadly. Um, <clears throat> so, first off, thank you for, for having us and hosting yeah. us here. So, how did this the concept of fluid come about? Yeah, that's uh, um, how honest you want me to be. Give us the short, honest version, right? Yeah, yeah. The, sh- the short, honest version is it's uh, it's basically everything I love and believe in rolled into one space. So leveraging 30 years of retail plus advocacy, uh, activism, philanthropy, I can't say that, all rolled into one is, is what this place is for me. It's, it's a way for me to, to leverage everything that I believe in in one space and love. What made you decide to make the jump? Because you came from a you know, really established corporate background. Yep. What made it that push to say, I've got to do this and bring my passions together? Um, well, you know, it started, <laughs> started with a, my first trip to Burning Man. And I really liked who I was. And I, I, got, I felt like I was authentically myself. And in that process, just knowing who, like liking me, people not knowing who I was, how much money I made, what my title was, you know, people say. How much money did you make? A lot. Okay, gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) I I made a lot, you know. um, I mean, it's all relative, right? I was definitely in the 1% tile. But but I would say that, um, I would say that when I left there, people say, don't quit your job after your first Burning Man. And I quit my job after my first Burning Man. Well done. I, I, yeah, I, well done. So I, I literally came back to life. I'm like, this is all bullshit, you know? I mean, it was a great job. I love the people I work with. I loved what I did, but it all just seemed like bullshit. And I decided to quit my job. I gave a five months notice and then I threw in a backpack. And I started traveling around the world and with, with every intention to learn about ancient cultures, uh, religion, civilizations. And so I started the journey. And on that journey, the Fluid Project was born. Love it. Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm living my authentic self. And are you glad you made that job? Yeah. I mean, every day is is, is full of uh, satisfaction, grat- uh, gratitude, appreciation for what I do, 
the I guess the skill I have and the ability to use it in for good th- good things. Yeah. So to go from thirty years of a little different because you were in fashion. Yeah, I spent thirty years. Twenty two years of that was at Macy's. Two years of Victoria's Secret. Um, not so cool anymore. And uh, five years. Uh, running uh, design and production for Levi's and Nike kids clothes around the world. Because I was going to say, it seems like a hard right turn to go from Victoria's Secret to a gender free. Well, there was kids in between. So, okay. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but again, yeah. speaking of hard right turns. Well, yeah, it's, it's, hard, it's a hard right turn. It's a hard right turn. Um, but if you know me, it's much more aligned with who I am and, and what I'm about. So, what yeah so the idea that um when i when i wanted to find a job i was looking at my next journey like okay toms or warby parker or patagonia these are the brands that i respect and appreciated and valued and they all had founders and ceos already so i didn't know what i was going to do i just knew that i had to i had to do a walkabout to find out what my purpose was tell us a little bit more about fluid itself because a lot of our listeners are spread out, so they yep. may not be familiar with you yet. Yeah, I'll start off with the spelling of the name, so mm-hmm. which which starts to tell the story. So, fluid in life is about not being stuck in one place and about the ability to ebb and flow. And in, in this space specifically, it's also about uh, fluidity and gender and the, the space between the binary, where instead of being strictly male or strictly female, it's the space in between. And we all have that space, you know. How do you how do you tap into that and celebrate that? Whether it's through identity, expression, love, and so it's spelled fluid with a pH. The pH represents balance, and the balance and and harmony with balance. And so many so many of us, you know, when we find balance in our life, we start to have a richer life. So, and also in this case, a lot of fun is the pH is is a is a reference to the scientific uh, balance, but the balance between masculine and feminine. Um, one of the things I found in my journey was when I went to the Ojibwe reservation with my mom. Her grandma was born in the reservation. I found out about the third spirit, which is uh, the, the two-spirit, which is the third gender, which is equal parts of male-female. And instead of being outcast, they were revered and often became the shamans. So going back to where indigenous people were, which is the balance and the power uh, when you have a, a good balance between male and female. And then project, so it's the fluid project, and project is because it's something that we're working on. It's a group of people working together and to find a solution to make the world a better place. So that's the fluid project. That's a long answer to a short question, no, but, but there's a, a lot in the name. Well, and there is a lot in the name, and there's a lot that I think people won't experience until they walk through the door. Yeah. Um, and I think you've captured, in my opinion, you've captured something here that's really special and that is a safe place for everyone. I think we live in a society that's full of fear, so a lot of people actually that, that may identify with what would be a traditional male, female sort of, you know, bi- cisgender, right, yes. cisgender yes. maybe yep. intimidated or afraid to walk through the doors like this isn't for me. But when you walk through these doors, it is. It's for everyone. 100% it's, yeah. it's for everyone. And you can feel that. The first time I was in your store, I brought my family that, that, that were like, well, are you sure we can go? And they <laughs> loved it. They all shopped. They, and, it, you know, and they're very traditional in their sexuality both who they are as as people and who they you know who they you know they're whatever you know they're just they were loved it that's great to hear that 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 warms my heart and that's that's what we're about is about who we hire it's about the assortment that we pick it's about how we curate it 
you know, really start off when you walk in the store, you know, I want it to be a place that you feel comfortable, that it doesn't feel intimidating. And it isn't until you get to the back of the store that you see the, you know, the six inch, you know, vinyl stilettos in size 13, you know, then it isn't until you see the harness or the different things, you know, the, the satin caftans and, um, but I really want people to walk in and, and get a comfort level like, oh, there's a brand I recognize like Levi's or Fila. And there's, you know, really kind of cool T-shirts and they're, they're cheeky and, and fun. And, and then you get to the, you start to like realize like, wow, this is bigger than I can expect, you know, and, and, and really watch people start to like open up. And that's my favorite part um, to watch people, especially, you know, although it's created for at the core of who you're created for are, are trans, non-binary, gender fluid, young queer people. But then there's the allies who surround them who are their peers, but the allies spread into, you know, a straight couple visiting from the Midwest who is shopping together for the first time. If they're not shopping for furniture or, you know, uh, cooking supplies, this is their first time shopping for fashion and self-expression. And it's really fun to see how a typically straight man, especially uh, a cis guy who's in his, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, start to get comfortable with trying new things. And this is an opportunity for them to be self-expressive that way. Well, and that's the way ultimately that we do make the world a better place, right? Because the more you can spread to more allies in a way where the allies feel comfortable. You start to break people down and start to open up the possibilities. Um, One of my favorite, you know, uh, people say this gender is a social construct and it is a social construct and gender identity is a social construct. Gender expression is a social construct. Um, when you go to Burning Man, and you know, my favorite thing to do is to see a, a, a straight guy come in and have cargo shorts on and a T-shirt, and like, like oh, this is you know kind of cool. By day three, this guy's got on a pair of hot pink tights, a tutu, like makeup, painting their nails, and they they are able within three days to adapt to a culture, you know, a society that allows them to express their feminine side. And it just realized that it, 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 we could change the world as quickly as we want to if we just shifted our, our mindset. That's and the interesting thing, too, about the layout of the store is that you have the like cafe and like a welcome space for people to hang out, which is not something that most stores are inviting people to come in and just lay about. Yeah, yep. That's really great that you observed that. So within the store, a third of the space is, or more of a third of the space is, is devoted to um, community space. So come in have a coffee, hang out, talk. There's bleacher seating. It's very chill. Um, but we also have in the lower level, which you're sitting in right now, is our community space. So during the day, it's an office. At night, it's a community space that people can use for free to have private meetings and really get together and you know create a greater good in this, this nation that needs more good doing, I guess, if that's a saying. But yeah, so there were, we're as much a community space as we are a retail space. I always laugh because from the street, we look like a retail space. When you get in, you start to understand what we're about. We have about five events a week in this space, and uh, within this, we've got you know a movie premiere tonight about an intersex person, and then we have a fundraiser or a panel discussion. It's really more about community than it's about retail. And so, you with this coffee shop, um, have you ever considered going into selling like sandwiches and stuff? You could call it um, Fuddruckers. That's a great fucking name. <laughs> that's fuck with the PH. Yes. No, Fuddruckers. It's kind of hard not to say. Can I say that in this? Yeah, podcast? that's okay, the beauty of the yeah. podcast. <laughs> Sorry, kids. If, uh, 
that didn't sell. So we already were no. explicit yeah, from yeah. day one. No, Fud, Fuddruckers is a good name. Isn't that taken already? Yeah. Oh, we call it friendlies. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> as long as we got Freemans, the... <laughs> yeah, we can keep going with that. As long that, as we uh... pH it, we'll yeah, be fine. Yeah, yeah, you were good it's with whole pH. Different name. <laughs> it's like it's like our candle we created called Fucking Fabulous, which is a riff on. I know, I used to say a riff. It's an homage to Tom Ford's best-selling cologne, which is fucking fabulous. Yes. Yeah, well, ours is a pH. Well, I was going to ask about that because one of the things you do is is work the fluid logo or phraseology into very popular icons. Yeah. Um, and one I saw, I think it was online, is the Chick-fil-A logo. Oh, it's my favorite. How yeah, did that so, go over? Well, <laughs> you know, that was, that was, so we basically took the Chick-fil-A logo and, you know, they're not super uh, friendly cool. <laughs> to <laughs> queer people. Um, they're not very liberal. Um, I don't know. It was our fun way of writing gender fluid in the Chick-fil-A font, which was really fun. I thought about taking it to like Hobby Lobby and doing a bunch <laughs> of others. And I don't know, just see like, I didn't know where it would end, but it, but it's fun riffing on stuff like that. You know, we did do a Barbie one. We did fluid and Barbie writing, which was cute. I mean, Barbie's awesome, but um, it does create a body dysphoria for, for women. They're working um, on it. Yeah, but other I know. Than that, but other than great. that, though, it's great. Other than thinking your body shame for the rest of your adult life. And also the, you know, the pinkification and, and assigning it to women also happened around the same time Barbie was launched. That's a whole different story about why pink is, if you want to know the history, I can tell you. Do you want to know the history yeah. of pink? So the history of pink is, it, it started off as a... Uh, color of aristocracy in France when it kind of started to come around. The, the, the noticeable, and it was, I think, the second next to blue, blue being the most, uh, the highest level. And then it became a color, red was a color for men and strength, and pink was a watered down version. So it was actually a boyish color of men. And then sometime in the 50s, maybe, oh, the, I guess also the, the pink was also the pink triangle on um, uh, Holocaust. Uh, victims who identified as gay so that became the symbol for gay men so the pink kind of took on a strong moment then and then the the 50s maybe eisenhower wore a pink dress the inauguration and kind of became a color and then the marketing teams and you know the the madmen started putting pink on women and trying to keep women in the house in the kitchen is really what they wanted and it became this separation between men and women and especially after women in the 40s had found during World War II that they could work. I think the workforce at a certain time was like 65% women. Right. They didn't like that. <laughs> the men wanted women back in the house and to know that a vacuum cleaner was great. And, you know, the pinkification really took, took some momentum at that point. So it just shows you, like, within a generation, we've created pink to be, you know, a girl thing and blue to be boys. And I don't know, it just, it just shows that we, in a generation from now, we can completely undo what's been done we have the ability to do it which is amazing which is amazing given the philosophy of the store and the, the brand seems like this place must be kind of like a ground zero for some important moments in people's lives yeah do you see that all the time it's like it's it's moments where a family plans a trip uh even international trip and they come to new york and this is their first stop and it's wow. a moment that the family can show up with their non-binary child who's it's hard enough being a 12 or 13 year old uh, but to show up with their parents and I introduce myself I say my pronoun ask them their pronoun I give them a pronoun pin and I watch like the, their face light up to think that there's a space that they could exist 
and be themselves and be accepted. I mean, that's those are the moments I live for. There's another story of this uh, guy came in and you know he's kind of walking around and he goes in the fitting with a couple, but then he pokes his head out and he says, "Hey, do you like that dress right there? Could I see that dress?" I'm like, "Of course." And I said, "Would you want to try the skirt on too?" Oh yeah, that'd be great. So like you know, trying on there for like a half an hour. Finally, like I'm like, "Do you want to try a pair of shoes?" Let's get a shoe size. Next thing I know, he comes out in the nice dress and the shoes, and he's walking around and he just feels fabulous and he's not judged he's actually we're celebrating him he didn't buy anything but it didn't matter because it just it, it just showed what we're capable of doing of the power around clothing and expression and and how it just how we show ourselves to society and do it in a safe space do you have anything in the store like there's a wide array of stuff mm -hmm. up there do you have anything for someone who might be self-conscious about their knees well, is this a personal question? It is a personal <laughs> issue. Of can can I yes. see your knees? Maybe, <laughs> hey, maybe hey, you hey. see yourself differently than, than we see you. We've heard about this all day. He's been waiting to ask about okay. this. So, but like, uh, it's the first time anyone's ever asked this. Really, it's a great question. Awesome. Um, see where this is going. No, I'm just wondering. Like, let's say I came in here looking for something to wear for a night out with my wife. Yep. Would there be something in here for me? Oh, of course. Probably put you in a caftan. Okay. And I put your wife in a, I don't know, a pair of dungarees. And a, <laughs> just kidding. No. Um, no, there's something for everybody. There's, listen, we carry, yes. I'm gonna, actually, I'm going to go through the exercise of dressing you afterwards. Just tell me, do you want to go out like clubbing or are you going to go out and watch a movie? This is what I wore when I went to a rave, one rave in college. So mm -hmm. I How'd think that, that over? I fell asleep leaning up against a speaker. Um, and I just so every, the listeners know, you have on a pair of jeans. Uh, this is my not, uniform. Not yeah. bad jeans. They're not certainly not skinny, but they're not. Well, they're not yeah. an old pair. They're not bad. And a, and a pink plaid shirt. Thank you. Look handsome. Thank you very much. Some Echo tennies. Yeah. yeah. So, given the fact that you're based in one of the most open-minded cities in the country, have you gotten any pushback at all from the concept from the way you're kind of no, you know, it's, this is really interesting. The only pushback we ever get is from social media. People make comments. But the bizarre thing about that, the thing about messaging is from the community. I mean, first of all, when you open yourself up and say you're a, an inclusive place and you're for everyone, you become vulnerable to find out how you're not for everyone. <laughs> right. Um, but we are handicap accessible. We, you know, I think one of my favorite stories is we created... I couldn't find a mannequin that wasn't super, like, you know, big boob, broad shoulder, you know, by our idea of what a woman looks like and man looks like, sure. which is unnatural how these mannequins look. So I created my own mannequin, and I told somebody, like, we're completely, like, you know, we're, we're completely inclusive. And they answered back, they said, well, why are all your mannequins white? I'm like, well, that's a great <laughs> point. I never thought about it because the store design was all white. But, but it's interesting. So, you, I mean, it's my favorite part about about being here and being open for feedback. Um, it just makes you realize that as as open as you think your mind is, as more inclusive as you think you are, there's still someone that hasn't been addressed. Well, and what I what's good about that too is I think also as people are like the pronoun thing you mentioned. Yep. I, I still struggle with it. I, you know, trying to remember the what's appropriate, how to ask, things yep. like that. And so I think there is a fear sometimes in, from people as they're learning this and evolving to understand how to interact with people. 
Um, do, do you have any advice? I know on the website you've got some great tips, yeah. but any advice for people that are trying to navigate to be understanding and to be sensitive to... I have, I have a lot of advice. Um, I'm glad you asked. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. the, the uh, unofficial pronoun police around here, so I, I correct people all the time. I spent time... I spent. I, I got a trainer um, to train me on language when I started this because if you look at me, if you can't see me, I'm a a middle aged white uh, gay guy, <laughs> you know. So, but I, but I don't look like the the voice and the face of the gender fluid uh, generation. But I but I realized that I needed to learn the language if I'm going to represent and speak for the community. I need to do it well. So I hired a coach about like ten or fifteen hours. And so I'm, I'm pretty good, but it changed, things move fast and quickly. Um, I'm, I'm keenly aware of pronouns. Um, I know that a lot of people have a hard time with the they, them pronoun because it doesn't make sense, you know, because, and I, I usually tell people, like, as long as you push back, you could probably have learned a second language. You know, it's, mm-hmm. just, it's just three words, you know, just get over it. And if, some, if I wanted to change my name to Phil... And you kept calling me Rob. Eventually, I'm going to get pissed off. Like, just call me Phil, you know? Um, I am changing my name, by the way. To Phil? I'm changing it to Garrett. It's my middle name. Oh. Um, yeah. Don't want to know. I'm transitioning right now from, <laughs> from Robert Garrett Smith to uh, uh, Garrett. I'm now Rob Garrett Smith. Because there were a lot of people mixing you up with the Cure Singer. Was that the thing? No, 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 no. No, okay. no it was the Vikings quarterback. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. No, it, was, uh, it was just, it's, it's funny because my mom wanted to call me Garrett. My dad thought it was a gay name. So she called me Robert Garrett Smith. So it turns out, turns out a name doesn't make you gay. Right? What um, do you know? What do you know? <laughs> Even the conversion therapy couldn't fix it. I, I, I um, no, I just, you know, it's funny because I've always wanted that name and I've, I've been so kind of inspired by people like, like saying, you know, changing, you know, changing their gender, you know, by, you know, floating it now. I'm like, why can't I claim what I believe I am, which is Garrett? And I've always thought that and I've been afraid to change it. So it's, um, so it's happening slowly. Nice. Yeah. He's probably changing his email so we can't get a hold of him. (laughs) That's what the truth comes out. He'll never find me Gotta get get that Instagram (laughs) handle now. No, I'm I'm Rob Garrett Smith on Instagram. Yeah. So clearly this is a successful store and it's proven to be an important place for people in the neighborhood and around the world. Yep. Since you do have a, an online presence as well. What's next? Well, exactly is the online business. So we have created a, a great community. We have so much going on um, and a lot of great uh, brands and pop-ups. So what I want to spend my next year on is really the energy that you feel, the community you feel in the store is to replicate that online. That um, for me, success is that if someone in Dubai finds out about us, that they could spend three hours on the website, um, not shopping, but finding resources and panel discussions and really just feeling the sense of community. They don't have to travel thousands of miles to come here. They can just you know do it from their own home. So that's the biggest thing I want to do is just continue to to share the community and the experience and, and make it online equally as, as fulfilling. And then once I'm done with that, n- next year, 2021, is to start to look at new locations. Um, I'd love to go West Coast. I'd love to go international. I think one of the best things about this, I don't own a lot of spaces either because it takes a lot of work to run this, but it and is a destination, but making it accessible to people in time zones. Um, one of my favorite things about this space is a quarter of the business we do is done through 
artists uh, and designers and residents. Mm -hmm. So every Tuesday from 11 to 12, we've got an open house for new designers. And then we offer a day or a weekend or a week or sometimes it's ongoing. And the idea that I could have these flagship stores around the world, the community spaces, cultivating new artists and designers and then giving them a platform to show their product. And then when I start to see like some traction in Hong Kong or traction in San Francisco, I can start to replicate that in other stores. So it's just it's such a the idea that these could these fifteen or twenty or many flagship stores exist around the world, I can start to cultivate as new designers and artists, which is really exciting. Uh, there's a movement happening, and, and I just have to talk about the opportunity I have to work with this young generation who are young millennials, Gen Z, and I hate even labeling them because and calling them something because they're trying to get away from like labels right. and definitions, and I have to respect that, but it's, it's just, it just okay, so I'll change it to anyone between the age of 12 and, let's say, 30, that they are creating a world for themselves, and they're reclaiming you know, social impact, they're reclaiming the environment, they're reclaiming, you know, um, just the ability to accept and tolerate and embrace people for being different. So I'm honored to be working with this group of people to create the future. And I think the best part of my job is I get to surround myself by people like that every day. Be sure to follow Why the Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check out our YouTube channel for some additional great Why content. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. The show is produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sove and Sandy Stone. Our web producer is Tenley Mustonen. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mustonen. The theme song was performed by the Electrosynthomagnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel, is that you? Are you here, Nigel?